Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the program that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Today we're talking about mindfulness and the role that it can play in helping us be calmer and more present in our lives. In an age of multitasking, constant social comparison, and for many of us, harsh self-criticism, mindfulness offers an increasingly popular approach to slow us down and help us think about what really matters in our lives. Mindfulness offers the possibility of changing the way we interact with ourselves and the world. Or, if we do the bare minimum, at least the possibility of calming us down and taking a brief break from the rush of the world. My guest today is Grant Ricks, Director of the Mindfulness Education Group. Grant is the creator of Pause, Breathe, Smile, New Zealand's own locally focused mindfulness in schools program that's aligned with the New Zealand curriculum. Pause, Breathe, Smile has been tested in the field and a recent evaluation of the program with primary school students showed it led to improvements in students' calmness, empathy, kindness and respect, and enhanced emotion regulation, resilience, and self-regulation. All things we want for our students, so we'll be talking to Grant about that. Along with his partner, Tash Ricks, Grant has also created an online mindfulness course for adults called Breathe. Grant has been a mindfulness practitioner for over 20 years and brings a depth of commitment and experience to this work. Kia ora, Grant. We're delighted to have you with us, and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Kia ora, Denise. It's lovely to be here, and thank you for that introduction. It sounds like you know me better than I know myself. <laughs> we know that's not true. So, Grant, I thought rather than me um, uh, trying to explain mindfulness, I thought that could be your first question. Can you tell us what mindfulness is, and then why do you think it's just grown so much? Why, why are we so interested in the West now in the past decade? Well, one of the descriptions we use uh, when describing mindfulness to children, which I've come to realize is probably one of the easiest and best descriptions for all of us, is that mindfulness means noticing what is happening now with kindness and interest. And in that description, we have two Uh, core qualities really that we're looking to develop and the first one uh, aligns with the statement uh, that mindfulness is about noticing what is happening now and the truth is that all of our experience is happening now Uh, subjectively speaking uh, we can only ever be exactly where we are and uh, the body can never deny this reality it's anchored to the moment whereas it's a mind that can wander all over the place And that's an amazing capacity we have as humans, that our minds can range freely. Uh, But as your intro uh, kind of alluded to, it can also uh, get out of control sometimes. Overthinking things becomes overwhelming. So the first part of this uh, description, mindfulness means noticing what is happening now, is really about recognizing that all of life is happening now, And sometimes our thoughts can get away 
on us. Uh, that leads to a cascade of emotions and feelings that may be detrimental to our well-being in that moment. Uh, and so we need these strategies to help sort of right the ship and bring back some balance, some mind-body balance. Uh, and then the second part of this is kindness and interest. So, you know, we're also looking to cultivate these qualities of curiosity, openness, acceptance and love uh, at the same time as we're learning to better regulate our attention. So this is what mindfulness is really about. It's about fostering really good attention regulation skills, but it's not just about how, uh, it's not just the act of paying attention, it's how we pay attention that's really important as well. It feels like we could all do with being able to better focus our attention and with being a little more kind. This is why it's really exploded in popularity in the West is because it can really help us to let go of harmful patterns of thinking uh, and the cascade of uh, unpleasant feelings that may go with that uh, train of thought and to come back to a place where we feel more balanced, the mind and the body are balanced and they're more in touch with the physical reality of life as it's occurring in this moment. And then the kind of added benefit of that is that uh, by fully turning up for our lives in that moment, we draw more richness. Uh, so it, it's not just about decreasing psychological distress, it's about increasing overall well-being. So do you think it really was that more and more of us were getting busier and more distressed and literally further and further away from that kind of calm, relaxed way of living our lives that led to an increased interest in, in tapping into and finding out about things like mindfulness? I think that's probably a huge part of it. Uh, you know, I, th I, I kind of think of our current era as the age of overwhelm, uh, where things are just changing so rapidly and we're all having trouble keeping up. Uh, you know, it's, uh, from week to week, there's something new on the market, particularly in the, the digital world, or you turn your phone on and there's a new update and all of a sudden you have to uh, learn how to use your phone again. It's, it's just constant. Mm. And then with the rise and rise of email, uh, you can't just leave it a week before you um, answer someone or, you know, you like in the old days where you were writing letters. So everything's just really sped up and there's a lot yeah. more pressures on our mental space. Mm. When you're saying this, Grant, and I'm listening, I'm thinking that, um, so on one hand, yes, everything has got busier and busier and the, the pace of change is faster. But I think another, another piece that's really added into why we need the kindness aspect of mindfulness is that as well as having loads more information we've got a million more ways of judging ourselves are you getting like on facebook do you you know um how many how many people know you are you on you know how many followers have you got on instagram or, or whatever um and certainly even really you know under tens trying to collect streaks on snapchat which means they've been in constant contact with somebody for I don't know how many days so and we're always it provides us with a million new hooks to say am I good enough am I not good enough in addition to kind of the traditional ones of um how am I going at school or or anything like that do, do, do you yeah. think that feeds in 
Oh, I think, yeah, I think that's that's so true. And I think one of the greatest benefits of mindfulness is we can see the effects of our behaviors on our own well-being, and that includes our online behaviors. So, you know, you're on Facebook and you're scrolling, scrolling endlessly through your news feed. Um, if we're in a mindful state, we can really, we, we have, the, again, that wider perspective and we can kind of start to discern what is actually pleasant and mm. what is not. And some of the uh, behaviors that we engage in, some of the activities we choose to spend our time doing, turns out they're actually not that pleasant when we uh, are yeah. looking with a sort of clarity of awareness. So Grant, you've been, um, you've been a mindfulness practitioner for a very long time. What led you to create and deliver Pause, Breathe, Smile? So just to start right at the beginning with that, you know, and addressing that question, one of the reasons why I got into mindfulness practice personally is because I was suffering from a lot of social anxiety and I found it very hard to be, uh, speak comfortably within groups of people. I found it even hard enough in one-on-one situations. And uh, I think it's, you know, testament to the power of the practice that I'm quite comfortable in those situations now. So the Pawsbury Smile Program began in, it kind of began, it sort of, the program itself began in 2013, but in 2012, I wrote a report for the Mental Health Foundation. And so I did a literature review uh, looking at what was happening internationally and then made a series of recommendations about what we could do here in Aotearoa. And the first one of those recommendations was that we should create our own program, uh, have something that's locally developed that addresses our New Zealand education curriculum and also our unique cultural context down here in Aotearoa. I wrote eight lessons, which eventually became uh, called what it is now, the Pawsbury Smile Program. And then uh, we got to pilot those. We teamed up with AUT, uh, School of Education there at AUT, and we piloted the initial prototype program within five primary schools and uh, measured the results. And what we found was uh, increased calmness. These are the themes that emerged, increased calmness, enhanced focus and attention. Uh, we found uh, enhanced self-awareness, sort of, you know, increased self-management skills. We found that a theme that was emerging through the program was um, teachers were noticing that uh, children were resolving conflicts more easily and readily without adult intervention, which was a really great finding because we don't actually raise conflict and how to address it in the program. We're focused on self-management and self-awareness and uh, kindness and emotion regulation, all these uh, things. Uh, but the outflow of that was a very distinct theme of conflict resolution skills developing. And also hand in hand with that, we saw a theme of uh, positive peer relationships starting to emerge more and reductions in teacher stress as well. Wow, they are big changes to be observing in students. You must have been really excited to see those results. And I know there were other important results too. Tell us about those. And we found statistically significant increases in well-being and particularly emotional well-being. Uh, so, you know, kids experiencing more positive emotions, 
um, but also being able to regulate their emotions more more fully. Uh, so we saw significant increases in that, and that was correlated with significant increases in mindfulness uh, or, you know, their ability to really focus and pay attention. And now, Grant, I know, you know, I know the studies are important and, um, and really powerful when it comes to demonstrating that this, these approaches work. But I know you've also, you also talk to the students who are, who are taking part. What do some of your students say? about what they see as the benefits? Yeah, well, um, we had the great benefit of having a master's student who wrote her dissertation and she, uh, you know, interviewing children who went through the Pawsbury Smile program and uh, we got some fantastic quotes and anecdotes from that. And the number one way they're really using mindfulness is to regulate emotions, whether it be on the playground or um, in preparation for major events such as tests or sports or, or whatever it is. And, um, and also they're using mindfulness as a way of helping them sleep at night as well. If their minds are getting carried away and they're getting anxious about certain things, they're able to self-calm and self-soothe and go off to sleep. And uh, so, yeah, there's been some amazing stories. One of the stories we heard recently from a school was uh, that uh, they've been doing mindfulness before basic facts tests. And the first time they did this, uh, their students, or 75% of their students got their highest score ever. Wow. And, um, and then um, in the same school, one of the parents noticed that the, her son was, his maths was really taking off and he was doing a lot better with maths. And she asked him, what do you think, has really helped with this and his response was mindfulness you know that's really helped me to focus and um and to do that and then we've we've got some great examples of kids um taking what they're learning in the Pawsbury smile home and sharing it with their families and one of the things they really like to share is the mindful eating activity uh-huh. tell us more about that. Do that so mindful eating is a, really a core component of Pawsbury Smile, and we end each lesson with a mindful eating activity. So kids get really um, used to this practice of mindful eating. It's a great chance to weave whatever the theme was we were exploring in that lesson into the eating activity as well, such as, you know, if we had a focus on gratitude, we can we can say, oh, isn't it, isn't it nice that we have this fruit here? We can be grateful that we have this fruit. So anyway, they get they get really uh, good at this, and as you can imagine, kids kids love this idea of um, having something to eat, particularly if it's a little treat or whatever. And they take this home. And I remember one story of um, of uh, someone who got their family to turn off all their devices. And they all sat around the table and they started to eat their, I think it was their chicken soup, mindfully. And, um, you know, they, the whole family commented on how much yummier the chicken soup was because they were actually present for the experience rather than just shoveling it away. Uh, but you can, you know, you can see the added benefits there of putting down the devices, connecting with the family, and just um, sharing a moment together that's really wholesome and valuable. And then uh, children speaking about uh, particularly uh, helping their parents out in stressful situations. So there was one young boy who was involved in a minor car accident with his father. 
And, um, you know, his father was quite stressed and he looked over at his son and he saw that he was um, doing something. He couldn't really tell what, but he saw he was doing something. And he asked his son what he was up to. He said he was, he was noticing his breathing to help him calm down. And then he showed his father how to do this too. And it helped his father to um, calm down in that situation too. And that, um, you know, then his dad became a complete convert to... <laughs> the power of mindfulness and and the value of teaching it in schools. I love this. I love that children are bringing it home. So often we feel we have to give it to the parents to give to the children, but but it actually is coming, it's working the other way too. So Grant, in our final couple of minutes, a couple more questions for you. One is, what advice would you give to a parent wanting to start mindfulness practice for themselves or with their child? Well, uh, we have on our website we have a course called Breathe, which is was subject actually it was it was based on a webinar series we did as part of an AUT study, and we found uh, that participants who went through this course had uh, significant decreases in depression, anxiety, and repetitive negative thinking. Wonderful. And significant increases in self-compassion and mindfulness. Those results are preliminary, I should add. They've just been submitted for publication, but really promising findings. So there's that course available that parents can go to. Uh, there'll be local groups available. I think it's really important to get good instruction and in mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of apps around too, though, that you can plug into and, and start to facilitate a practice. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of bringing it to children, um, I think you've hit the money, you know, the nail right on the head with the question is that the place to start is to practice mindfulness ourselves Um, because what really benefits kids is that sense of um, positive relationships with the significant adults in their lives. And when we're really present for and to them, in a way that's, um, you know, not weighted down by worries and anxieties, um, but it's just in a state of kind of openness and care, that's going to be the best benefit for kids. Uh, And then aside from that, we also on our website have some free resources. Um, There's a little parents tab you can go to. You can go to the free resources page and there's some guided uh, audio tracks for children there. And Grant, if you could only do one thing to help people, um, you know, improve their well-being for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I think, you know, I have a bias here, obviously. <laughs> I think I would, uh, you know, I'd really encourage people to become more mindful. And, you know, that's that's not necessarily about saying that everyone should practice mindfulness meditation. It's about fostering these qualities of um, open, loving attentiveness. You know, there's many ways we could actually foster those qualities, but it's about recognizing that at the heart of all of this is that, you know, this life is precious. And if we're not fully turning up for life in each given moment, then we're really shortchanging ourselves What's your go-to strategy for boosting your own well-being when you feel really frustrated or down? So meditation is really central to my life. And uh, I find that really powerful and really useful, uh, not just for mitigating 
you know, those feelings of being down and, and getting a, a, a boost, but for actually seeing into the heart of the vulnerability itself and coming to a place of understanding that actually life by its nature is vulnerable uh, and our vulnerabilities aren't a failing of who we are, it's just the nature of life. And then the other thing I really do is I spend a lot of time outside and I think that's becoming increasingly important uh, with, you know, all the kind of demands on our attention, particularly with online stuff now really hijacking a lot of our lives, to get outside, get into nature and just experience that natural sort of rebalancing that happens when we're in the natural world. These qualities of mindfulness really start to come forward very naturally uh, when we're in the outdoors. Grant, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Wow. It's a wonderful thing to listen to someone who is really walking their talk. We know from the research that living your life in alignment with your values leads to higher well-being. Grant Ricks is certainly living out his values and sharing what he believes in with the world. I'm particularly taken by the impact that children's mindfulness is having on their parents, change that's flowing upstream. I also want to be more like the boy Grant described, who was able to focus on his breath and calm himself, even in a really scary moment. And if, just like the children who've been using Pause, Breathe, Smile, you would like more calmness, focus, self-awareness, or self-management skills, or to get better at resolving conflict then maybe it's time to try some mindfulness. If you want to learn more about mindfulness or download the free parent resources that Grant mentioned, you can go to his website at mindfulnesseducation.nz or you can try a free app like Headspace or the Mindfulness app or Calm. We can all practice building awareness of the present moment by following the instructions in the title of Grant's program, Pause, Breathe, Smile. See if you can make time to pause, breathe and smile every day for the next week and notice how you feel. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. If you'd like to listen to a podcast of this show, you can find it on or.org.nz or at nziwr.co.nz. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. For more information on how schools, communities and workplaces can grow their wellbeing and resilience, go to nziwr.co.nz.